0: Well, it is great to have you here today. We were so excited to have our youth do their takeover here this morning. I know they were excited about that as well. Uh, We are in uh, a final message of our worldview series. So if you have your bulletins, if you can take those out, um, what we've been looking at is uh, are you looking more at the world from a critical or uh, from a cultural viewpoint or from a biblical worldview um, and viewpoint And, and again we're excited that so many of you were with us yesterday we had over 500 people here to go through our talk yesterday yeah that was wonderful to just get immersed into a biblical worldview specifically from the old testament and it ties in directly with where we're going here today because what we've been talking about over these last four or five weeks is why does it matter what we believe, how do we best develop a worldview, a biblical worldview, and what are the implications of having a biblical worldview? Do we just come to church? Do we just come to the youth group and, and hear what is taught, or do we actually go out and live that and make a difference in this world. So if you are here for the very first time, and we know we have a lot of youth who normally you are here at the 9.30 hour, but you're here to listen in here today, maybe you haven't been a part of this service, but let me give you the best ways. I've reminded all the adults here, the best way to determine whether you are coming from a cultural worldview or a biblical worldview is to look at these three questions that we've looked at from day one in the series. Where do we come from why is the world so messed up and what's the solution those are the three questions we have been going over and as you formulate those thoughts in your mind you need to have answers for those and if you don't Then that's why we're doing this series, and I hope that even if you do, you will have seen it matching up with what the Bible says. And so today, we're talking about the second one. Why is the world so messed up? And beginning next week, we're in a brand new series called God's Grand Story, which will really answer that whole third question as we get into what is the solution. I'll give you a little heads up on that. Obviously, since the fall of man in Genesis chapter 3 all the way through up into the new Te- until the new testament came about god was preparing his people redeeming his people sending his prophets sending his leaders to say i have a messiah that is coming and we know that today as jesus being that solution to a way back to god the father so that's what we're going to cover the whole next series but today why is the world so messed up there was a World um, uh, survey that was done by uh, the George Barna Group, that has done surveys across America and, and really across the, the entire world. The question that the survey asked, though, was this. If there was one question that you would ask God, what would it be? Think about that for yourself. If there was one question, if you could have an audience with God and he would answer questions. What would that question be? And by far, the number one question of God, um, and we're looking at that question here today, was this. Why is the world so messed up? Why do innocent people get killed by suicide bombers across the world? Why are there drugs and drug-related homicides in the world? Why are there hurricanes and tsunamis that take innocent lives? Why will one-third of the children who go to sleep tonight go to sleep hungry? Why did my parents die when I was 7 years old or 13 years old? Why did my mother get cancer and my grandmother get cancer? Why is the big question. And so my question here today is, how would you answer that? Because if that question has not been posed to you, whether you're here in your youth, or whether you're in your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, your 60s, 70s, or 80s, 90s, it, it, it's a question that people have in their minds. It's a question that people have, and they want some answers for that. And if people know that you go to First Baptist, if people know that you are a Christian, they're looking to see how you would respond to a question similar to that. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why is the world so messed up? The answer that you give will reveal what kind of a worldview you have. And as we identified those three questions a few weeks ago, we said to have a biblical worldview, let me help you with some of the answers. So those three questions again. uh, Where did we come from? We have talked about that as being creation. And we said, uh, why uh, are there, is the world so messed up? We call that the fall. And then we address the question, what's the solution? And that is the redemption that we have in Jesus Christ. So yesterday, over 500 of you were here. Do you remember what we said, what the action was for uh, creation? It was this, right? The world. And do you remember what happened right after that? We gave a hand motion for what? The fall. There it is. The first two things that we do and we talk about when we look at the Bible, we see it's the creation that God created us, and then the fall of man was the next significant thing that happened um, sin and suffering entering the world. Do you have that as your understanding? That God created you, that God made you. And that the world became so messed up because humans chose to go opposite of where God wanted them to go. That's when sin and suffering entered the world. And the Bible talks a lot about that condition. Uh, in fact, many of the, the writers bring it up. Let me read a few verses for you. In fact, let's read these together. Psalm chapter 42, verse 9. Read this with me. I say to God, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy. Look at the next verse. Read it with me. Psalm 10. Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times? of you ever felt that? We do. We do. How about this next one out of Psalm 22? My God. Read it with me. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And of course, those are even the words that Jesus said from the cross when he was being crucified so how does the Bible answer those questions and can I say, no, no cop-outs on this, no cop-out answers like, well, you know, the Bible doesn't actually tell why. No, the entire Bible explains why. It's the big picture of how the fall came about and how God's redeeming story has come to us. So what we're going to do is we're going to answer that question, why, and we're going to do it by having the letters W-H-Y on the p- main points, Um, W-H-Y, spelling the word Y, let's jump into the W first, and that is this. It's because, you can fill this in, we live in a broken world. We live in a broken world. Some people ask, well, why couldn't God create a world without suffering? Guess what? You read the first story in the first uh, few verses of the book of Genesis? It happened, didn't it? He created that world without suffering. He already did that once before. And what took place? What took place was that we ended up breaking it. But let me just reiterate that point. The uh, point underneath uh, why uh, we live in a broken world is that the world was created. You can fill this in. Perfect. There was no suffering to begin with. Genesis one thirty-one says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was, what's the words there? Very good. God made it that way. So God created humans to be in relationship with them, but he allowed free will to enter into the world because God did not want us to be puppets on the string, just doing exactly what he told us to do. God did not make us to be robots feel like I'm going to do the Mr. Roboto up here or something like that. He, he didn't want us to be robots. He wanted our love. He wanted our worship. He wanted our praises like we just sang about to be on our lips because it's what we desire, not because we have to do those things. But with that free will choice, the next fill-in is that humanity chose rebellion, rebellion against God says in Genesis 3.6, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave to her husband who was with her and he ate. Thus, next fill in, as a result, nature itself was altered. All of nature was altered at that point and that time. We live in the fallout of a sin bomb. Genesis chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. God said, because you have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. We live in a fallout from a sin bomb. They say, what does that mean? Let, Let me illustrate. Uh, A few months ago, um, I was watching a TV show with my son. We were watching Nova, and it was about Chernobyl. And some of the difficulties that happened back... Do any of you recognize that name, Chernobyl, in Russia? Okay. About a nuclear reactor that went off in 1986. And as I was watching that with my son, I was reminded of the analogy that I shared with all of you a while back. And let me explain that again. Because the show in Nova was demonstrating that there are trees that have grown up there... But they're a little different there are insects that live there now but they're different in fact there's radioactivity all over the place even though they can't see it what they could see though is that they zeroed in on a spider making a spider web and they said the the connecting of the spider web that the spider was making was radically different than a normal spider that would do this in other parts of the world Because of that radioactivity that went off back in 1986, it is still paying the damage today. Even though it's a little altered, it's not uh, as overt as it once was, it is still altered. Well, we can put those pieces together in 2016. But let's say we fast forward 800 and something years. Let's go to the year 2970, and let's say people are just up in arms. They're living in a land called Chernobyl. And they don't understand why food won't grow. They don't understand why cancer comes into 99% of the people who are there. They don't understand why there are birth, children born with birth defects. And starvation happens because the food won't go. And people are saying, why, God? Why are you making this happen, allowing this to happen to us? Well, in the year 2970, people have forgotten what happened back in 1986. They've forgotten that a, that a bomb, an atomic bomb, nuclear reactor went off. You know, the year 1987 and 1988, and the year 1989, and the year 1993, people understood why children were born with defects and had cancer and food wouldn't grow. But over time, people forgot the same. Thing is happening today. We live in a broken world. There's defects of people who are born. People get cancer. There is starvation in the world today because of what happened back in the Garden of Eden. Many people have just forgotten that. We don't make that connection. We feel like that was so long ago that shouldn't affect what happens today. Oh no, it does. That fallout still affects how we live today. It was a sin bomb that went off, happened thousands of years ago. God didn't cause it to come about. We caused it to come about. We are the recipients of that original sin bomb going off. But, and this is the next feeling that you have on your outline, we also contribute to suffering through unwise choices that we make and continue to make. It says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible says that we have all sinned. Show a hand. How many of you have sinned? Okay, nearly unanimous here. We've got to work on the rest of you on that one. <laughs> nearly unanimous. Yes, we, we have all, all sinned. And we still make unwise choices. Uh, a few years ago, my wife was wanting to really try and cook healthy. I mean, I mean very, very healthy. And so she had these meals that she was making that looked great, but didn't taste quite so great. <laughs> And um, I told her, and and I said, you know, dinner is just not quite as fun as it used to be. (laughs) And um, yeah, yeah. Well, what I would do is I would make wise choices when I was eating dinner there. Then I'd make some very unwise choices a couple hours later when I wanted to eat what I wanted, right? Right? I mean, in all the unwise choices, the buttered popcorn and the Pepsi and washed all down with the chocolate chip cookie, that did away with all the wise choices I had made over here. We do that all the time. Our choices, our choices, we get to choose what we eat. We get to choose how it affects our body by the things that we take in. And and yet, even though we have sinned, we are still in the image of God. And Genesis 9-6 talks about how now it's as though we look at this world through a broken mirror. Through a dimly lit mirror. In fact, in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that great love chapter, it says... For we now see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know in pain, but then I shall know fully, even as as I am fully known. What the sin bomb did is it cracked the mirror. Go home today and look inside a, a handheld mirror right in front of you. And imagine that mirror being broken and shattered and some of the pieces falling out and all the cracks in the mirror. And trying to gain the perspective on your face or your hair or what you're trying to look for from that broken mirror. That's kind of the way that we live now. We view it through the brokenness of sin. And it's a dimly lit mirror now that we don't get to see everything as we hope to one day. But remember this. Remember, next fill in. We have a broken world, not a broken God. Amen? Amen? We may live in a broken world, but we do not have a broken God. I was reminded of a story I heard a few years ago about a gentleman who was driving a car with his wife and daughter. The car was struck head-on by a drunk driver. The wife uh, escaped uh, virtually un injured. The daughter broke a few bones in her body, but the driver, the husband, took the biggest blow. His name was Douglas. And um, Douglas uh, suffered uh, for the rest of his life. He had, at times, debilitating headaches. His um, legs were broken, and he walked differently for the rest of his life. He had one eye that would often wander and not concentrate. To read was just uh, incredibly hard for him. And he was talked to by some friends, and, and, and an author actually interviewed him and said, um, do you feel anger at God for what you went through? Do you feel somehow even disappointed with God that he would allow that to happen to you? And Douglas thought about it for quite a while. And he came up with, with words of wisdom that I think are very applicable to us today in 2016. He said, don't confuse God with life. Life is broken. God is not. He said, I I feel free to curse the unfairness of life, invent all of my grief and my anger, but I believe God feels the same way about that. And it's God who has stepped into humanity and is trying and working to repair that brokenness. But God is not life. Separate God from life in that way. We live in a broken world, but we do not live with a broken God. In fact, I would even say this. God, if you are a Christian, God is in you, the one hurting. God is not in it, the thing that hurts. That's not the kind of God we have. We have a God who steps into our lives and said, let me, let's me walk you. Let me walk you through that brokenness that you experience in life. And even though you live in a world of brokenness, I am here to take you to another place. And so it's the point on the back of your outline, the H is that he will make all things right. One day, he will make all things right. Acts 17, verse 31 says, And he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness. That day is coming. It's just not here yet. See, the, the, the trouble is, our timing is not the Lord's timing. How many of you have come to peace with that one yet? Yeah, if we haven't, it gets tough, doesn't it? In fact, let me take you back to Scripture and how this looked. Do you remember what we commonly call Palm Sunday when Jesus entered into Jerusalem? People grabbed palm branches and began to wave them in front of him, shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You know what they were doing there? They were cheering him on because they thought he was the new king coming to conquer the government that was overthrown and oppressing the the Jews of the day. They wanted him to overthrow the Roman government and all that he was, um, all the oppression that they were having uh, in that time. And yet when Jesus came into the city and the people began to chant, do you remember what he was riding on? Did anybody say a horse? No. See... With years of perspective, we can look back and say, um, the Jews missed it. They were hoping that he was riding on a horse. They were treating him as though he was riding on a horse. But he was riding on a donkey. A horse comes in victory. A donkey comes more in peace. A horse comes in in a takeover mentality. A, A donkey comes more of a gentle spirit. And Jesus was coming not as a, as a as a king who would rule at that point in time and rule over the governments, but he was coming as one to rule in the hearts. And the people missed it. In fact, in Zechariah 9-9, which is one of the reasons that we went through the Old Testament yesterday, it's one of those minor prophets. In Zechariah 9-9, you see a prophecy that says, he will come on a colt, he will come on a foal, he will come on a donkey. And the people had not been seeing that. They missed that prof- prophecy that was being fulfilled in the their midst and what jesus was setting up was an eternal victory not just one right there he was setting up an eternal victory in people's hearts but the people didn't see it fully they missed it and there is so much that we miss as miss as well that's why it's so important for us to have a correct biblical worldview because every promise is given in here to us that will be fulfilled it will come about maybe just not yet and our timing is not the Lord's timing. But here's what you can take to the bank. The Lord may delay his promises, but he will never deny them of you. They will all be fulfilled in due time. In fact, at the end of time, we see the picture in Revelation chapter 21, where it says this: it says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death. There'll be no more mourning nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things has passed away. No longer will there be anything that is cursed. Yesterday we read at the end of our conference the book of Genesis and all that it was created to be and what happened with the fall. And then we read from the book of Revelation and we saw how the change will come about. Well, folks, we are still living in the midst of that. We're living between Genesis and Revelation. We are in this scripture. We're we're not to Revelation yet. It's coming. And when it comes is when he will make all things right. And so the Bible is the story of God's solution to the world's brokenness. You can write this down in your outline. It's the solution that offers salvation from sin, as you see in Romans chapter 3. It offers transformation from suffering. As you see in Romans chapter 8, and it offers glorification in the new world, as it says again in Romans chapter 8. But that reality isn't here yet. It's coming, and if you have Christ in your life, one day it will be here, but not yet. And so we scratch our heads and say, okay, how do we live until that time comes? Do do we just kind of join into a utopia, into a community where we pull aside and just pray for the day to come? Or do we live within the culture, even though it might be against God's word, do we live within that culture and, and, and show the light? That's what God wants us to do. We still have a purpose for living here in this world. And that's what I want us to remember on the last point, which is this, you and God can make a difference. You and God can make a difference. God in you. In fact, you are here to make a difference. Philippians 2 reminds us of this. It says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. That you may be blameless and innocent. Children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Now watch this. Among whom you shine as lights in the world. That's your call. We are in the midst of that. As one author put it, we hear the echoes of Eden, but we're to be the heralds of heaven. Yes, Eden happened. We live in that fallout. We're in the midst of that still today, but heaven is coming We herald that until it does. Let me give you one other just interesting point about the worldviews. You know, it's much different when you travel around the world and talk to other Christians from other countries. As Americans, we kind of have a little bit of a strange worldview on suffering and pain. Most of us as Americans probably end up praying, God, would you take this off my back? Right. The next time you go through something very difficult... Find yourself. Are you praying, God, will you take this away from me? Will you do away with this? Will you take this off my back? Or do you pray as many Christians pray around the world, God, would you strengthen my back? Would you make me stronger? Would you make me more like you? It's not God, just take this away from me, but it's God, strengthen me in the midst of this. Because whatever may be happening to me now may be using me to become more like your son, Jesus. You know, today is uh, youth takeover day. We love the youth around here, and we want them to be more and more involved with what we do. And so I asked Vince Panasco if he would come and share some of his testimony. Vince is a young man who grew up right here at First Baptist Church and now is doing some wonderful things in the midst of our ministry. So, Vince, would you come? Let's welcome uh, Vince Penasco as he shares with us today. Bless you,
1: Good, morning. Good morning. My name is Vincent Penasco, and as Pastor Brad said, I'm going to share a little bit of my testimony. And so, just starting right off, uh, I was born to the parents of Dave and Regina Penosco. Um I was born and raised in Stockton, and also born and raised right here in First Baptist Church. And just a little bit about myself is growing up, my parents were both Christian, so I was always learning about the Bible, and uh, I, I was also very shy growing up, and um, uh, a few things I enjoyed were sports, mainly basketball and baseball, and so fast-forwarding to my high school life, uh, the time came on choosing high school I wanted to attend, and I ended up choosing Jim L. A. Christian High School. Any Eagles? A few. <laughs> um, so yeah, and looking back, that was one of the best decisions i made in my life. Now, when I was in middle school, Um, I gave my life to Jesus Christ as my Lord and savior. So a Christian high school was exactly uh, where I wanted to be. Um, During high school, I really broke out of my shyness, and I was also learning about the Bible every day. So my head knowledge was growing, but looking back, it never transferred down to my heart. And so I never had a true relationship with Jesus Christ because outside of school, I never opened up my Bible, and my prayer life was in desperate need of a revival. And so uh, during high school, There were two tragic events that I think led to my eventual downfall. And the first one um, was the passing away of my grandma. Uh, My grandma was uh, my best friend, and she was always there to support me from uh, sports to school. And she was always there to take care of me when I was sick. And her love for me was unlike any other. And so uh, when she passed away, uh, I was devastated. And at the time, I couldn't understand why God would take her away from me. And so that was the first one, and the second one um, was um, my parents, they separated, and they were separated throughout most of my high school life, and again, uh, in the moment, I couldn't understand why God would let that happen, Um, but it was really hard to deal with, because especially growing up, having both your parents under the same roof every day, and then all of a sudden, coming home and not being able to see one or the other, uh, I just didn't know how to take it, and so it was very hard to deal with, especially at that point in my life. And so... Um, these two events, I think, led to my downfall, which once I graduated high school, uh, I still remember receiving the graduation money, and I also had a pretty good paying job at the time. So long story short is I wasn't a very good steward with my money, and um, with the influence of the wrong friends in this world, uh, I remember falling into the party scene and also started to drink alcohol. And looking back, even though I thought I was having the time of my life, this was definitely the darkest point uh, in my life. I was partying and drinking once, twice, maybe three times a weekend, and as a result, God and church no longer played a role in my life. And then, uh, one day, I decided to come back here to church, and I crossed paths with uh, Ray Martin, the college director, and uh, Ray asked me uh, to go with him on a men's Mexico mission trip, and at this time, uh, I was a little iffy uh, because of the situation I was in, but I still asked my parents, and they both said yes, and before you know it, I was off to Mexico, And while we were down there, I was working with Ray, and uh, Ray asked me one simple question, and that question was, how is your walk? And he wasn't talking about my physical walk, but he was talking about my spiritual walk. And I remember venting to him and talking to him about what I was going through, and uh, Ray was nothing but encouraging and supporting. And out of that conversation, uh, Ray challenged me, and his challenge was very simple. It was to read my Bible a little bit and to pray a little bit every day. And so I took his challenge to heart, and since then, God's just been using me in so many different ways. And, um, yeah, (laughs) so. So, since then, I started to become a regular attender to church, and I also got connected with Proclaim, uh, the college group, and felt super welcome into my new community. And then uh, a few weeks later, uh, I was keeping up with all my Bible readings and my daily prayers, and then Ray asked me again to go on a month-long internship to Mexico. And at this point in my life, I was super excited to go. And so I talked with my parents and my mom was all for it. Uh, My dad was a little iffy because of the finances. And uh, praise God, all the finances were raised. And I knew at that point that it was in God's will for me to go on this internship. And so um, uh, now before I left to Mexico, Uh, My parents were still separated, and I've been praying for them for a while. But I remember while I was down there, I made a commitment to pray for them continually. And not knowing what God had in store, uh, I never gave up on my consistent prayers. And uh, I still remember coming home from Mexico to the good news that uh, by God's miraculous grace, my parents are uh, back underneath the same roof, and their relationship. Are they here? Are uh, they here today? uh, Next service. Next service. Next service. There. They, they like to sleep in. Okay. Yeah. There's,
0: they're sleeping in this morning. They'll be here next service. All right. I don't know. All right.
1: All right. Oh, wait. Oh, oh they're there.
0: here. All right. Okay. All right. Good for you guys.
1: Don't so, worry. So, yeah. And uh, so their relationship with each other and with Jesus Christ is better than ever. Mm-hmm. And um, also, uh, as my new relationship with Jesus Christ, I no longer see a need to party and drink and uh, actually, to this day, I've been sober for a year and five mo- or nine months. And so, those, those are just two huge answered prayers. And uh, God's just completely changed my cultural worldview and turned into a biblical worldview. And uh, He's using me in ways I would have never imagine. Uh, like, one of them is, uh, I, I'm working here, uh, which was another answered prayer because I was looking for a job. And this one just happened to pop up out of nowhere. And so... Now I get a uh, scrub toilets for you guys and uh, vacuum, vacuum the carpets. That's how I started. I did. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. just, just another huge answered prayer. And then he also has me serving uh, with Soulfire or Soulfire right there. <laughs> so yeah, he has me as a leader in the Soulfire group. And uh, he also currently has me living uh, over in the intern house mm-hmm. uh, with serving alongside my brothers in Christ, which uh, there's somewhere in here. Mm-hmm. So, but. Uh, there they are. And I think one of them's in the tech booth. But uh, so serving alongside my brothers in Christ and uh, just striving to serve Jesus every day and uh, just grow in our relationship with him uh, every day. So that's my story, uh, restoration and redemption. And uh, I'm excited to see what God has in the future for me. Amen. So, Thank, you. Thank you.
0: Good work. We've all been there. We've been the result of sin, bad choices that we have done, or maybe that other people have done to us and around us. You've all experienced some of that. What Vince is now doing, though, is walking with the Lord and saying, even though it happens, even though the world is messed up, and even though there's difficult times, I'm going to walk through this with the Lord. Because the the, the choice is never life with trouble or life without trouble. That is never the choice. We are going to have trouble. And so the choice is life with trouble without God or life with trouble with God. Which do you choose? Vince will tell you today that life with trouble with God is so much easier to walk through. Will things be perfect? No. But we have a God. Who has entered into this world through His Son, Jesus Christ. And because He has, He walks with us. And when we accept Him by faith, His Holy Spirit lives in us. And we walk in a relationship, redemption with Almighty God the Father. That is good news. Amen? Amen. 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 We live in that. Amen. 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 Let's pray. Let's pray. God, I thank You. I thank You that You sent Your Son, Jesus Christ, into the world to die for us, took the place of our sin. What sin has created, the time bomb, the sin bomb that has gone off has now been rectified by Jesus in a relationship we can now have again with God the Father. And folks, if you are here today and you have never said yes to him, or perhaps like Vince, you said yes as Savior, but really not as Lord, then today make a commitment to follow him as your Lord If today, for the very first time, if you just need to say these words, Lord Jesus, come into my heart today. I invite you to be my Lord and Savior. That is not a specific prayer. God sees the intentions of your heart. And I would pray that today, whoever you are, whether you're one of the youth, you could seek out your youth leader, whether you're one of the adults, come down after the service. We would love to get to talk to you more about what that intention of your heart just did. You opened yourself up to God through His Son, Jesus, and His Holy Spirit now living inside of you. It's by faith that we receive Him. It. It's by faith we walk with Him. It's by faith we know that heaven is coming. It's by faith, the trust in Jesus, that we know this world, even though it be broken now, will be made right and new when He comes again. So, Lord Jesus, we thank you for all that you're doing in our midst. We thank you so much for so many of these youth and how you are repairing and rectifying even their lives in the worldview. Lord, for the adults around this service who are in here, and some have come 50, 60, 70 years, we thank you that it never gets old to hear about what Jesus has done for us. We praise you. We glorify you. We worship you now, for it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.